Hi, everybody, and welcome to Martin Bandike Undercovers for February 2020, produced in partnership with the Ann Arbor District Library. This month's interview is with Jeff Gwynn about his book, The Vagabonds, the story of Henry Ford and Thomas Edison's 10-year road trip. It's the fascinating story of these two American giants, Henry Ford and Thomas Edison, whose annual summer sojourns introduced the road trip to our culture and made the automobile an essential part of modern life, even as their own relationship altered dramatically. Now, Jeff Gwynn is an award-winning former investigative journalist and the best-selling author of numerous books, books about uh, the likes of Bonnie and Clyde and Charles Manson. This is quite a, a change in subject matters to go from Charles Manson and Bonnie and Clyde to Henry Ford and Thomas Edison. I asked him why he decided to, to write a book about the vagabonds, Henry Ford and Thomas Edison. Well, after spending seven years writing about Charles Manson, and Jim Jones, I wanted a subject where people didn't die. Beyond that, I'm always fascinated by, by every significant cycle in American history. I drive everywhere that the people I'm writing about might have gone in their lives, and I got to thinking during those drives, how did America become such a car culture? I started looking into it, and I was surprised and thrilled when I saw that Henry Ford and Thomas Edison were in some ways initiators of our road trip uh, obsessions that we have today. So this was sort of a surprise subject for me, but it's one I really enjoyed exploring, and I hope people enjoy reading about it. Give us a chronology. What what years do, does this cover in the lives of Henry Ford and Thomas Edison and the their good friends who went on the road with them? What time frame are we talking about? The trips themselves start in 1914, and the last one occurs in 1924. So we're talking 11 years, really. But there are a couple times when they didn't take the trips due to war concerns or business problems that needed attention. This book is not a full-fledged biography of Ford and Edison. I, I want to make that clear. Right. What I tried to do was look at the things in their lives that would have brought them to their great and enduring friendship and how that friendship might have caused them to think, Let's go have some adventures, and their adventures then really taught the American public all the possibilities that were out there because of car travel. When did uh, Henry Ford, how did Henry Ford and Thomas Edison first meet? What, what uh, got them together? And it sounds like they were really fast friends. How, how did the friendship start? There's two versions of, of how the friendship started. One is Ford, and one, <laughs> one comes from Edison. <laughs> Edison would say that in 1911 and 1912, uh, he became aware of Henry Ford because Ford, having introduced the Model T and become really one of the most famous people in America, always talked about his great admiration of Edison and had even written Edison asking for an autographed picture for his office. And Edison replied that uh, he would be glad to send the picture, but he really wanted to meet Mr. Ford. And once they did meet, they had so much in common, it was just instantaneous best friendship. Ford's version <laughs> is, 
is that nearly 20 years earlier, he was working as a young engineer for one of Thomas Edison's power companies in Detroit, and that at a company dinner, he met Edison, talked to him a little bit about some private experimentation he was doing with combustion engines. This involved the quadricycle, which I'm sure most Ford fans already know about. And that Edison was just thrilled, said, young man, this is it, the thing, you've got it, keep at it. And that from that moment on, he and Edison were linked. Edison, on the other hand, forgot all about it because he met lots of young whippersnappers who were going to have these great inventions. (laughs) So uh, essentially, they became best friends in the minds of both of them in 1912. Uh, Henry Ford would have dated it somewhat earlier. Your book begins with this prologue that about a, a the trip to, I didn't, didn't even know this place existed. I don't know if it still does. Paris, Michigan, in mid-August of 1923. Man, and just the, the way you described just trying to travel uh, on roads back in the day, it just sounds just next to impossible. Talk about the, this, this uh, prologue uh, that it happens in Paris, Michigan. Where is this place? Paris, Michigan is uh, a little bit removed from Grand Rapids, and it still is there. It is. It is. Okay. And uh, it's uh, a little tiny place. It's maybe 20 minutes by back road from Big Rapids, Michigan. And to this day, the people in Paris talk about Henry Ford and Thomas Edison sort of showing up out of nowhere. I wanted to find a story to kick off the book that would demonstrate the power Ford and Edison had, not only to gain national attention for the slightest thing they did together, but how it could change lives. And they dropped in on an octogenarian country fiddler named Jeff Bisbee. They came out of nowhere. That's the way they, the vagabonds traveled. They didn't go to the big cities. They, they went out into the countryside. Uh, And Jep, who had been a shoemaker who made a few bucks fiddling at county fairs on the weekends, within a couple of years is one of the most famous fiddlers in the country, giving all sorts of gala concerts. And when he died, he was so famous his obituary was the New York Times. Ford and Edison had the capacity to touch individual lives and change them. And I thought this was just a great heartwarming story to kick things off. So the purpose of these road trips, was it just strictly a vacation for Henry Ford and Thomas Edison and their families? Or was this kind of a public relations, more of a, a PR thing to, to become even more famous? They, they were household names, right, to the general public? Am I correct? I think it's fair to say, just to give it sort of a modern context. Yeah, please that Ford and Edison were the Kardashians of their time, only they actually did things that made them deserve to be famous. <laughs> right. that, would be the, that would be the one difference. But this is a time in America, we need to remember, when radio still hasn't quite come along, television hasn't really been thought of yet, newspapers are the way people hear about what's going on. Yes. And there's very few celebrities in America yet who aren't politicians or military leaders. Ford and Edison are the two most famous Americans, and everything they do, the public wants to hear about, which means newspapers that want to sell copies are going to write about it. When they started,
start these trips in 1924, and this number is just staggering, there are maybe 600,000 cars in America. Most, most of those aren't driven more than 12 miles in any day. People take them to work or maybe the family to grandma's on Sunday for dinner. When they finish these trips, 11 years later, there are 20 million cars in America, and over half of them are being used for long road and camping trips, just like Edison and Ford taught the country about on their vagabonds trips. That's how much these two men could change and did change America. Incredible. Incredible. Who were some of the guests that they brought along with them? There were other very well-known and important people, maybe a few not household names, but Harvey Firestone, absolutely a household <laughs> name. Was he on most of these trips with uh, Ford and Edison, Jeff? Uh, Firestone was a close friend of Ford's. He supplied most of the tires for the Model T, and even though he was a very well-known person in and of himself, he was willing to sort of be the facto factotum on these trips. He'd organize things and take t- take care of the day-to-day chores. Uh, he would come, two different presidents get involved, Harding and Coolidge, uh, some other famous businessmen from around the country, John Burroughs, maybe the most famous naturalist of his time, is along on all the early trips, and boy, he's a lot of fun. He gripes about everything. <laughs> and today, don't we all know, when we have to take the cranky uncle or grandpa with us. <laughs> right. Nothing's <And> right. <laughs> right. Well, that was Burroughs' role. That's what I loved about these trips. You got to see the real personalities. And, of course, as you mentioned, Ford and Edison were two of the canniest marketing people in American business history. They went on these trips to have fun. They enjoyed each other's company. But at the same time, because stories about these trips will be in virtually every newspaper in the country every day they're on the road, hey, it helps sell Model Ts and Edison light bulbs and Edison phonographs and Firestone tires. So it it was a combination. It, It was just for recreation, and yet it was also for marketing purposes. So what was their itinerary on these trips? Did they always go the same route, or they, did they explore different areas of the U.S.? Give us, give us some idea about how much they traveled uh, in this time frame from the mid-teens through about 1924 or so. The idea was, months before the trips, they tried to think of some new and interesting place to go. And you could remember, at the time in America... of the roads were referred to as wish-to-God roads, as in anyone driving them wish-to-God. They weren't just mud, ruts, and rocks. Mm. But as the vagabonds would take these trips and they'd go out in the country, they went as far as the northeast Canadian border. They went down south at times when anything below the Mason-Dixon line was considered a foreign country. And their first trip was even to the middle of the Everglades in Florida, where they got stranded with the gators and the snakes. (laughs) So they would get around. But because of their travels and Americans wanting to emulate them, more cars are sold. That means more gasoline is sold. And state governments start adding a penny or two per gallon in sales tax. They use that money to improve the roads. 
so that by the end of these trips, not just the vagabonds, but the people trying to emulate them, can go 10 times further with maybe 5% of the blowouts that normally have. Now tell me, did uh, were they truly roughing it at night? Were they setting up uh, camps and tents outside their their fords uh, in the evening, or, or were they uh, taking it uh, going uh, going more luxury class, Jeff? Well, you know, they they like the idea of traveling. They also like the idea of having an entourage with them. Ah. Normally, they'd have five or six cars you know, in a line, driving into places where sometimes cars hadn't even been seen before. And they would have staff to set up their tents. They had a refrigerator car. Edison had invented a refrigerator car rigged with a battery system to keep food cold. And so they'd have gourmet meals cooked by a chef. At night when they went into their tents, Edison had rigged battery packs so there was electric light in every tent. And they'd get up in the morning to have freshly ironed clothes to put on. That was their idea of roughing it. Now, the Americans who emulated them had to pitch their own tents and, and you know, have campfire cook, cooking with uh, cans of food. But they still felt the idea was the same. You were getting out. You were having adventures. The vagabonds could just afford to uh, have nights off relaxing you know, in a little more luxurious circumstance than most other people. <laughs> Henry Ford, in particular, as the years have gone by, we have, uh, oh, how do we put this gracefully? Have uh, He is such an important person when it comes to uh, Western civilization. It's hard to, I don't know how I would uh, get to work every day without my, uh, my auto. I live 50 miles away from the radio station where I work at, Jeff, and yet... Uh, this man had sides of him that were um, horrific, uh, a noted anti-Semite and a person who was disturbingly anti-intellectual, uh, hated modern art, hated things like jazz. And it's tough to reconcile this at time because he is still seen as such a heroic figure in America. But there's much more to him, isn't there? There is, and it's always important to make sure every aspect of the personality is pointed out. Ford was, in his way, a genius, and very few geniuses are actually sort of smooth, comfortable people to be around. Ford was never that. And racism, anti-Semitism, anti-intellectualism, and oh, by the way, he also preached about the fake media quite a bit. Oh, really? No. Oh, he hated the press and uh, even went so far as to buy his own newspaper so he could control the editorial content. But the whole thing we have to look at is the context of the time. These things are unforgivable. They were then and they were now, and they, they remain so. They always will be. But Ford, in this way, was very much a representative of the Caucasian, Protestant, successful businessman of his time. And to him, and unfortunately to a lot of the people who listened to him, he was simply having the courage to stand up and tell the truth. He even came very close to being elected president. And he would he promised he would run on the on the theme that he would go down to Washington and throw a wrench in it that he'd get rid of all the politicians and bring in smart businessmen. So 
there's nothing new under the sun. But when we look at Ford's life, we not only have to balance the, the good things he did, which were incredible, and the bad things about him, which are unforgivable, but not only that, history cyclical. Look at Henry Ford, and we see things happening today that we think, my God, this is awful. You know, it, it must be unique. It isn't unique. Until we really study history, how are we ever going to get past the mistakes? And would you say Thomas Edison was more enlightened than Henry Ford on uh, on uh, just an outlook towards life and towards people? Was, uh, was Thomas Edison a bit more sophisticated than Henry Ford? No, not really. Not really? But what Edison did was he had a much better sense of personal public relations, of, you know, being quite avuncular, you know, the sweet old man. Right. Mm-hmm. Privately, he shared a lot of Ford's anti-Semitic views, and uh, he was, in fact, pretty much a racist. And again, these are things that have to be included in the book. Again, we have to accept the fact that great achievements by people don't negate terrible things about them that they might have said or done or believed. And the counter to that is we all have our flaws. Great men generally have great flaws, and these two are no exception. Jeff, final question for, for you. What, what, what do you feel is the overriding message, the overriding message that you want to impart with this book, The Vagabonds, telling the story of these, uh, this 10-year road trip with Henry Ford and Thomas Edison? What's the overall uh, story arc and message that you would like to give with this book? I'd like people to get a better sense of how American culture can change virtually overnight. Let's face it, in the great overall scheme of things, a decade or so is barely an eye blink. But America has always been prone to take an idea and grow it, to keep going, sometimes beyond moderation. If we look back at Edison and Ford and their road trips and how it changed our country, I think it gives us a little better idea of how things are today when it seems that overnight the world is different. That doesn't mean it has to be bad. It just means we better have a good idea of what's changing and why. Thanks for listening to Martin Bandike Undercovers for February 2020. Our interview is with Jeff Gwynn about his book, The Vagabonds, the story of Henry Ford and Thomas Edison's 10-year road trip. This has been a presentation of the Ann Arbor District Library.